This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Alan and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design, and here's my co-host, Alan, from Pixel Partners HQ. How are you, buddy? Mate, I am fantastic. I'm really looking forward... Well, on one hand, I'm looking forward to this episode. On the other hand, I'm going to be really confused through the episode. We have a very special guest today. We have another Greg, Greg (laughs) Kasser, who is coming on to the episodes. He's sitting in the wings waiting for us to talk to us about e-commerce marketing and design. So let's not muck around today, Greg. Let's get straight into it. So today we have a very... Special guest, Greg Kassar, and we're going to be talking about e-commerce marketing and design. So, Greg, first of all, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. It's a pleasure, buddy. So, for the benefit of our listener, we've given them a bit of an overview, but uh, if you could just sort of briefly tell your story of, you know, the journey that's got you to where you are today. Okay, cool, cool. Happy to. I've been at it for quite a while. Like, I'd love to say I was one of those guys that just stepped up and smashed it out of the park on day one but it really that wasn't my wasn't really my story i was working in corporate it and i started selling stuff on the internet uh back in 2003 which is quite a while ago now uh in internet in internet years started getting quite good at it and then had lots of business owners asking you know hey could you help me with that and then so from there we morphed into becoming an agency and then after running the agency for five or six years, um, we morphed into becoming a, a coach. We run a, a digital marketing mastermind called The Collective. That's the, the idea is to you know feed people's mindset and give them business strategy as well as like help them to implement. So we're kind of a morph halfway between an agency and uh, yeah, and a coach. And then um, in recent years, been really really interested in e-commerce because I've seen like from particularly some of the businesses we've worked with. It's great from a lifestyle design point of view. Ecom really ticks all the boxes as far as, yeah, being able to um, run a business but also have a life and you're building a saleable asset and stuff. And then in the last sort of six to 12 months, we've got really, really good at Amazon as well. Just taking the existing, you know, direct response skills and design skills and all that kind of stuff and then applying it to Amazon, which is just a platform that millions and millions of people are turning up to every day to buy. Um, so been doing really, really well at that, mainly in the US and now we're doing Canada and we're doing a whole European um, rollout at the moment across all those, those different places. And I'm big uh, into lifestyle design as well. So moved to Byron Bay and you know surfing and pool and spa and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sort of uh, trying to live like a king and enjoy life and have a positive ripple effect on the world around me. That's kind of it. Yeah, it's nice when you can pick a business model that, uh, you know, allows you to have choices. Um, Now, before I go any further, you know, I'm hearing double today with two Gregs. I have no idea how I'm going to say, hey, Greg, and not get both of you to answer. (laughs) But uh, maybe I'll call our Greg uh, Greggles or Mr. Merrilies. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Merrilies. Greg M, Greg C. That that one, we get used to that a bit when we're together. G1 and G2. You're like the two bananas. Uh, (laughs) I'll do a more serious note. Uh, Look, I I, I want to explore a little bit more, you know, this 
um, this pivot you've made into e-commerce and as a as a business model that that did give you lifestyle choices. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. We have a, a ton of clients in e-commerce with Pixel Partners. We do heaps of product photography. Actually, and we've seen e-commerce businesses go retail as well. But it seems to me like all of these people that I that I deal with have fantastic abilities to build a lifestyle the way they want. Now that doesn't mean that they're not working. It's not the four-hour work week. You're still working, but you can choose where, when, and how you do it. So, you know, what are the lessons that you sort of learned and the mistakes you made as you you made this pivot in this direction to e-commerce? Yeah, one of the things I've seen over and over again was like people coming at it from a a product per uh, sorry a product first um, mentality of like, oh, this is the product I'm going to take to the market, that kind of thing. Whereas, and that does work with eBay and Amazon, etc. But if you're approaching e-com as in like an overall, you've got an e-commerce store, etc., then you really need to choose up a market first and that's a market that you're going to serve. Uh, so I don't really go into the exact specifics of what markets and that I serve, but in my space, I've this is in the US, I've got a big authority blog, I've got a big e-commerce store and I've got a big Amazon presence. And so it's kind of like a three... Yeah, a three-legged stool, so it's not just one thing. Like at the moment, the Amazon is way, way bigger than the other things, but we're um, plugging away in the background to, you know, to, to make those um, to make those things happen. Certainly, I made a lot of mistakes along the way with e-com as far as if you – it's not very forgiving if you make a mistake when you're importing. So like I imported recently a whole container, like a 40-foot container, of uh yeah of a product and then by the time i got them on amazon they were declared large uh, sorry oversized meaning that they were just too large and so amazon slugged me with a whole bunch of fees and effectively what it meant was i had spent all this money on something that i was no longer going to be profitable with so there is kind of like the the, that downside of e-com where some of the mistakes can be expensive but the once you get on a winner, the thing is it's very, very easy to take the show on the road. So say, for example, if you've got Amazon.com working, then you can quickly clone it into Canada. You can quickly clone it into the UK and then four or five other marketplaces and hit 28 other countries and stuff. So, And tying into your point about lifestyle, what it does mean is, so say, for example, if you're a coach, a consultant, or if you're a whatever, yeah, you've generally got a schedule of meetings and appointments and things and places you've got to be in at different times. With the e-com, as long as you've done your work, if you've got your good listings there, you've built your traffic, you've got your conversion things in place, you might always have like campaigns on the go and stuff, but there's no certain things that have to happen at certain times as a general rule. So that's kind of where you get that freedom. Like for me, I often, I'll work hard in the morning and then I'll cruise for a little bit and then I'll get stuck back into it, you know, that kind of stuff. So Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and I think the, the really interesting thing there that, that you just sort of, put out there and I don't realize I don't know if, if the listener realize how important this is is just the the sheer ability for somebody in a small rural town that's what I'm going to call Byron Bay but I mean it's a beautiful part of the world can reach a global yeah. audience with e-commerce you know this is something that yeah. has never ever been available before and like you say you, you you can start with something like amazon which is has just got an epic market you can roll it out to you know canada latin america germany australia all these other different countries 
And then on the back of that, you can build out a more sustainable community and, and business with your own e-commerce platform. And, and like I said before, you know, some people are, have gone retail with their, their hugely successful e-commerce businesses or traditional retailers have bought these businesses to scale them. So, you know, this is... This has got a greater reach um, than has ever happened before. And the sheer quantity of people who are comfortable with purchasing online today, even compared to five or ten years ago, is just growing at a, at a huge rate. The speed you can scale like um, into several hundreds of thousands of dollars if you've got it. Yeah, if you've got it right, like per month. Yeah, when you hit some of those big platforms, because there's just so many, so many buyers turning up. One hack that I did, which isn't really um, spoken about much or isn't really uh, apparent to most people, was everyone thinks about you've got to do everything yourself. So you've got to import the product. You've got to be, you know, the marketer on whether it's Amazon and e-commerce and that kind of stuff. But one thing that we did was replacing the like the the what do you got to do with the who is going to do it like we've partnered with an amazing group of guys who uh in the in the u.s they were selling products into walmart so they already had they already had winning products but they just didn't have the same level of marketing skills as us so that now we've got a you know a sophisticated joint venture deal which is a true win-win because they get to focus on things that they love like product development and the whole supply chain side of things and then it's reduced their risk because they've got like our company which is an amazing marketing machine that can sell stuff like crazy so we get to focus just on marketing and selling stuff which we love and they get to focus just on product development and importing which they love and so it's really like this one plus one equals three and they were already selling into walmart but what it's now done is made their relationships with walmart that also much more powerful from a negotiation point of view etc because you you know when you're negotiating you've got to be in a powerful a powerful position and if you've got a couple hundred grand of um amazon sales happening then you don't not as dependent on the walmart sales you know what i mean that kind of thing so it's really been it's kind of like a hack that I, I i learned it from ezra firestone actually like he never told me it. i just watched what he was doing with partnering with companies that are already doing the product side so if you're already an awesome marketer look for someone who's already got an awesome product or awesome product range in a market that you want to serve and then work together and yeah i find that the faster way then because like i said i was doing importing and all that kind of stuff and i was i was i don't think i was even good at it i was okay at it but it was hit and miss but soon as i partnered with guys who really really were a black belt at that and we were a black belt at selling stuff then two black belt teams just yeah smashed it out of the park and that was kind of really what it took. So that's I hope that hack help, helps people. And I think that this is going to be a growing way to do business. I mean, I, I Pixel Partners is part of a collective based out of China that has a US office where we do exactly the same thing. There are some really great product people out there, right? And they're great at developing great products. It's products that customers want and they can sell them to a certain extent, but they maybe don't have the manufacturing and the logistics understanding and the design and packaging understanding that they need to really take it to an epic level. Now you combine forces, everybody does their bit, 
the the sacrifice of that part of the sale for the other people in the partnership is a percentage, but it's a percentage of a much, much, much bigger pool when everybody works together. So I think you're right. It's a hack that everybody's trying to do it themselves. You know, it, it doesn't need to be that way. It can be, you know, a partnership made in heaven if it's done correctly yeah and for me like a few things that you've mentioned so far greg is to me like you are a seasoned marketer like you've been doing it for years you've been in the trenches you've you've also spent a hell of a lot on your own education and you apply everything that you learn so you know what you've done you've built an authority blog and i want to sort of get you to talk about why you've done that but you've also got you've got an e-commerce website and you also sell on Amazon in America and you're planning on to roll rolling that out to various you know countries as well and then you're doing this bricks and mortar JV so there's a lot of kind of moving parts so just want you to sort of talk about why you've got so many moving parts and really it's not for a beginner I've got this saying that winter is coming and for anyone who you know seen Game of Thrones <laughs> you will have heard heard that before but I talk about it in the internet space it's really about like the cost of traffic and in particular pay-per-click type traffic paid media it keeps going up and up and up so what happens is that the cost of products the cost of commodities is not keeping going up if anything it's going down so if you imagine it like on a graph if you've got the cost of traffic going up and you've got the cost of products going down it gets to a point where they meet and that where they meet that's where it's no longer possible to acquire customers at a profit on day one, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, because the internet's always been this, like, thought of this, as this cash spewing machine, and which it still is, but it's getting harder and harder to just acquire customers profitably on day one. So if we know this trend is coming, that's why we're willing to invest big money, like with the content stuff. So I've never, I, I, there's certain things I know that I'm good at, and there's certain things that I know that I'm not great at. So like, for example, on the product side, working with partners who are amazing in, in that space. Um, also on the authority blog, I've built an okay blog. Like the collective is very useful to people. Like I was talking to a guy yesterday who just educated himself just by watching every video on that. He, he sat down for days and um, got himself an amazing education, but it's never built like as a, a massive, massive, you know, 300,000, 500,000 people turning up every month, you know, that kind of thing. Something that I learned from Yaro Starak, if you want to build something, it's got to be sticky. You've, you've got to have something sticky that people come back to, you know, time and time again. So that's why I've got a professional content team they roll out like 16 blog posts a month to this thing and so we're only sort of four months into that new blog journey but every month is bigger than the last and then so at the moment it only gets say uh 80 100 people organically a, a, a day but that's if you say it was a dollar a click that's 80 to 100 dollars a day now of traffic you know that kind of stuff and obviously traffic to the blog isn't as good as traffic to the you know to the e-commerce store etc but it's going to just build up and up and up uh, exponentially. And then so with those people, we're then trying to get them on our email list and we're also trying to get them into our Facebook group. So we're trying to, um, and also trying to acquire them as customers. So we've got um, things like free t-shirt offers and we've got holiday giveaways and a whole bunch of other stuff that we're doing to acquire people as customers as well as get them on our email list as well as get them into our Facebook group so that we can have that conversation with them over many times because while amazon's great and it's this fantastic cash spewing machine what it isn't great at is you don't own the customer so amazon owns the customer whereas in this case if you know so if alan bought from me on on my e-commerce store i could then send 
Alan an email down the track saying, hey, we've got a special on this, that kind of thing. But if Greg bought from me on Amazon, I've got no real way of uh, contacting Greg again, you know, in that, in that kind of... So that's why we're building out, yeah, really what is sophisticated infrastructure. But it's really the professional way to do it because if you the real way to win this game is a concept uh, that I learned from Perry Belcher called content and commerce. So you really want to own the audience because you can either buy media or you can build media you know that kind of thing so people think about it as a blog but i think about it as a media property so i'm building a professional media property that i know at some stage in the future is going to have millions of people a month you know turning up to it and so i'm willing to go negative now just put keep putting my hand in my pocket to go negative now knowing that in six months time or whatever it's going to you know really start to pay for itself and from that point on I'll be in front because any offer that I want to do, I've got an audience ready, you know, ready turned up. So like some of the biggest e-commerce stores in the world, they really, they, they think about uh, who's the audience first and then they build them around an existing, existing audience. So that's why like a lot of companies will partner with like a Kim Kardashian or another influencer or whatever, because they know there's a, a ready-made audience there. I don't have a celeb contact. So we're building our own, um, yeah, building our own audience. And yeah, so this whole, like our e-commerce store and our blog, if you look at it on the profit and loss and the balance sheet, that whole bit doesn't look that great at the moment, whereas the Amazon looks fantastic. But over time, we just need to get it bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is our plan to win the game uh, long term. We're not just thinking about, okay, the next three months or six months, we're talking about, well, if we're going to be in this for the next 10 or 20 years, yeah, how are we going to win the game? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You actually just killed my next question, Greg. Thank you for that. I was I was all G'd up and prepared to ask you a really, really great question that my listener was gonna love. Look, what I was gonna actually ask was, you know, how do you build a good quality e-commerce business in such a competitive world? And, you know, how do you differentiate differentiate yourself? Because I hear a lot of people saying, Oh, I don't want to go online because you know, I have to do my products so much cheaper. Like, is it just a race to the bottom with the price? But from what I'm hearing, and maybe you want to elaborate a little bit more on this, it's not all price driven, is it? I mean, you're building a community of people that you have a relationship with that will become, you know, high value repeat customers. Yeah. So, there's a couple there's a couple things to this. We've got like a recipe or a formula that we look at for when we're going into an e-commerce market or um or choosing an e-commerce product. So it needs to be for example above $20 but ideally more because if it's less than that by the time you acquire the customer then you know there's not there's nothing left. You need to be able to when you buy the product you need to be able to sell it for two or three times what you bought it for. So if I bought this widget for $10, by the time I got it imported, I need to be selling it closer to yeah, or 20 or ideally 30, you know, that kind of stuff. And then there's a whole bunch of other things like Google needs to like it, Facebook needs to like it. There needs to be demand for it. So either people are searching for it or sometimes you can engineer demand. So a lot of our products is the sorts of things that can work on Instagram or Facebook video, that kind of thing where you can demonstrate the benefit of something. People aren't, it's not even on their radar and then they look at it and they go, oh, wow, that's cool. And then they click on it and they, they say like, I want one. So we end, we're engineering desire with, yeah, with Facebook videos and with Instagram videos and all that kind of stuff. And that's another thing that we do to prop up our, yeah, prop up our Amazon sale. There's a direct correlation between with our Amazon sales as to whether or not we're running Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram video ads. If we're running those things, then 
you know, it, go, it goes right up. But it's not necessarily a race to the bottom. It's only a race to the bottom on price if you're selling the same brand spatula or widget or whatever as everyone else. But if you've got your own brand and you can differentiate it, and especially if you've got like the sort of product that you can demonstrate its value and, um, and it's got to like realistically be solving a problem and that people want it, then it, I don't find it's a, yeah, it's a race to yeah. the bottom at all. Um, yeah, if, if, if there's demand for it. That's awesome. And so with branding, like, so you do pretty much brand your own products. It's like a lot of people yeah. on e-commerce, they'll just go to Alibaba or whatever and put something up on Amazon that everyone else is putting up, but you don't do that. You invest in your own brand. So how important is, you know, having your own brand in an e-commerce business today? I think it's, cru- I think it's crucial. And the reality is you're, if you don't have your own brand, you're kind of turning up to a gunfight with a knife <laughs> to, to be honest, because you, which, which is a hard day at the office, so to speak, I mean, not very, not very forgiving. Yeah, then you are just competing with the same as everyone else. And then if you'd like, we spoke about Amazon as a platform. It's really rigged for brands to win. You know, not for me, me too's also because if you've got your own um, a brand, um, say your Acme Co, whatever it is, then you can register on Amazon for a thing called brand registry. There's a thing called brand registry 2.0. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to get like the extra banner ads across the top and it allows you to build out. So uh, you guys are amazing at design. And so what it allows you to do is build visual sales copy within your, like within your Amazon listing. So you can have that Apple style, you know, left, right, You've got a beautiful image, headline, subheadline, and then it, it rotates, you know, from side to side. So it allows you to do all those sorts of things. Um, and if, if without that, basically what you're doing is you're competing just with a text-based description versus someone who's got that, what's effectively like long sales copy. And also the same is if like, if you and, if you and Greg Allen were competing, um, sorry, were doing the same product, your, for example, on Amazon, your, you would have the same product listing and would just say that there's multiple sellers. Whereas if I had my own brand, I'd have my own product listing because I'd have my own unique barcode, ASIN and that kind of stuff. So and on Amazon, it's crucial. Like you have to have your own brand. But I find even just on, uh, on e-commerce as well, I think you can build brand equity by... That's, and that's one of the things with the blog that we're doing is just like, how can we help our customer the most? How can we serve our customer the most and that whole being willing to give first create value um and then later on when we ask for uh, like with offers there's already some deposits in that emotional bank account before we withdraw otherwise you just you know buy my stuff buy my stuff buy my stuff which is nowhere near as cool as if they think oh wow these guys or these girls are amazing yeah i'd really love i'd really love that what they yeah what they're doing oh look uh, i mean i think that uh, amazon is you're definitely doing what you say and rigging it for brands to win. That they want value for the customer, and and somebody who's putting the effort into building a brand is more likely to be around for the long haul. And those those extra graphical elements, they are amazing when it comes to helping with conversion. You know, it's it's the enhanced brand content that they they give you access to. But along with that, I mean, and we do quite a, quite a bit of design in and around Amazon. Uh, one of the things that, that we do a ton of is product photography. It never ceases to amaze me the companies that we would think would have great photography that are sending us products to try and make it better again and better again. And then we visually enhance photos for Amazon and e-commerce with graphical elements, right? How important are photos? Because, you know, you're in a, an ocean of 
hundreds of thousands of products on on Amazon. Yeah, well, so many. I think it's crucially important. So many people are visual learners. Like they'll get the messages or they'll get the cues from the images. The average listing on Amazon has in between one and three images. Uh, like the average listing has between one and three images, but they'll allow you to put up to nine. So. You should always, like I use eight and then there's, unless you put a video in as well sometimes. And so what you were talking about of if you can have really professional crisp images that then describe and tell the story and just uh, communicate the benefits, then that's obviously ideal because, and if we can make them feel something as well, that's even better. So that's where like lifestyle photography of using the product can be great because, you know, ordinary marketers sell based on features Good marketers sell based on the benefits that those features bring and then awesome marketers sell based off the emotions that those benefits bring. And so, yeah, so we try to do like a combination of, of all that. And I think the the Rolls Royce as far as design uh, for me, and I know Greg and I have spoken about this before, is Apple, like if you watch their launches and if you look at the way they do uh, product and that kind of stuff, like really uh, arty and just they're, they're amazing yeah at design so I, I think the stuff that you're doing there really really cool I'd, I'd love to i'd love to see some of it because i actually you actually made me think i wonder whether we could do better on our images so i might talk to you about that after as well oh look i'd love to and anybody who's listening <laughs> give me a buzz they if are you awesome yeah. some help yeah. um, look what i was going to say with regards to the photos too is greg do you think this is not just driven by sales but do you think the, the the attitude or the perception or the expectation of consumers has gone up in the last couple of years with regards to e-commerce photos because there was some pretty bad stuff on e-commerce stores over the last 10 years. But I feel like the consumers clicked their fingers and said, well, we, just, we just won't buy unless we're seeing that story being told in the photos and, and really beautiful detail in the photos and, and more than just a photo of a box. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That, like all the different angles because they can't actually pick up the thing and look at it. So they really do want to be able to zoom in on it or see the front of it and the back of it. And I think building on that as well, having an explainer video, uh, like when I say explainer video, people often think about the animated explainer video, but that that sort of video that I was talking about where you're demonstrating the product, that kind of thing, and people can get it um, in a short period of time. So I think video really complements the the photos, whether it's on your own e-commerce store or whether it's on Amazon. Now, one thing that I really learned from uh, Russell Brunson, who was another one of my marketing coaches, I've hopped a plane a lot over the last four five years and had some amazing coaches one of the things Russell uh, taught me was really about like engineering epiphany. So if I'm hard selling you guys saying, hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, that's not as powerful as if I show you a video and then all of a sudden you get an epiphany yourself of, oh, wow, that is amazing. I really need one of those or, wow, that's amazing. I really want one of those. So if you can use um, video and images to engineer an epiphany, that's kind of like the, the highest form of selling that you can yeah that you can do online yeah wherever possible we want to engineer epiphanies yeah i've look i've got a friend that has an e-commerce business and he puts a lot of effort into his photos but he finds that his competitors will just literally rip off his photos they'll use them you know what i mean if you get all this effort it's a real shame that yeah do you see that happening on amazon or do amazon penalize you if you if you rip off somebody else's photo yeah i I haven't experienced that um personally and i don't think they really let you put watermarks and stuff anymore i know on your own e-commerce store you can put faint watermarks and things 
But uh, for, for things like Google Shopping, which is those visual ads at the top and that, you're not really supposed to have uh, that stuff on there. It is super hard to protect, but firstly, if you can find somebody ripping off your images on Amazon, they will pull that listing down because I've seen it happen with, with our imagery. And also, too, Greg's right, you know, watermarking is one way to protect your images, but more and more platforms are moving away from that because it tarnishes the quality of the consumer experience. You know, what what Google's trying to do, what Amazon's trying to do is let the consumer make an educated choice without being coerced into leaving the platform to go somewhere else or or having confusion as to why why two different products might be different. So they really, really are cracking down with that. Listen, Greg, I really would love to get your insights on just a couple more things. And, and this has to do with, particularly on e-commerce, what has to do with after the sale, after the purchase, once the product arrives to the consumer, right? So I guess where I'm heading with this is how important are things that in traditional retail you would see on the shelf like packaging and things like inserts in the packaging and, and additional offerings for after-sales service. How important are those in e-commerce? Yeah, um, I think in some types of businesses, they're more than, than others. Like uh, if you buy women's fashion, look, I know, I know Greg here does, but I, I mean, not, me not so much. Um, no, so <laughs> companies like uh, Bird's Nest and things like that are amazing at it where when the product actually turns up, it's in this beautiful paper and it's an experience all to itself. Apple does, Apple does that too. So that kind of thing is, yeah, is very, very powerful. It can be a, a, a balancing act, a trade-off, like you've got to make sure that you can do it uh, cost-effective, but it's certainly a much more wow factor than just turning up in the brown box with the, you know, like white kidney beans or whatever they are that are made out of styrofoam, you know, that kind of thing. So that dramatically, um, dramatically different. And I think that's going to build much, much more uh, loyalty and it's much more uh, of that them sharing it with their friends. Hey, check this out. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, with any type of business, like in, so in classic Jay Abraham, we call it the profit triad, where it really comes down and if you want to scale a business and you want to scale a business exponentially, there's really only three ways, three main ways to grow a business. And that's you can get more customers, you can get them spending more, and you can get them coming back again. And so I think, Alan, what you're talking about here is the, really the, the getting them coming back again. That inserts is great, where especially where you can uh, – encourage another order so give them a for example a voucher or a yeah, coupon code to come back and and buy again usually it has to work at a discount or it can be a buy one get one free or something to that effect but it's kind of like yeah getting another customer yeah that you didn't have before i think there's a whole bunch of other ways we can do that too with e-commerce there's a really powerful autoresponder suite called clavio and it's very very smart and it can do things like if you bought x then wait 30 days and then sell them why, you know, that kind of stuff. And it can do welcome sequences and it can also do things called like win-back campaigns. And what win-back campaigns is talking about is uh, if they've bought, but then they haven't bought for like 60 or 90 days, then they're not likely to buy again sort of thing. So then you can, it can automatically wake up and then give a campaign specifically to that person that offers them some kind of deal, you know, to get them coming back again. And also obviously cart abandonment is another, you know, big one that uh, gets people gets people buying but to answer your question i think it's yeah it's very very 
important and uh, it makes me think that that's another area that i really should do more it's interesting like you get all these things on the go and then you just constantly reminded of like we could do this area better we could do that area better but yeah we just create uh, you know sometimes as a business owner as an entrepreneur there's just so many things you could do um and you can kind of get analysis paralysis about well how am i going to do all this so what we do is we draw like visual dashboards so i draw a, a picture just in excel is is great so on the website, what are all the things we need to do? Uh, on the packaging, what are all the things we need to do? Email follow-up, what's all the things we need to do? That kind of stuff. And then each individual project, we just give them like a dashboard color. So is this green? Is it done? Is it yellow? Is it like in progress or is it red, meaning we haven't started or it's a problem? And then so that, so that like I think what you're talking about with the packaging design is a red on a dashboard for me. I haven't really done that, but I've seen amazing examples of it. But yeah. I'm, a, I'm an epic fail in that area, unfortunately. And, and look, it's not uncommon because really, you know, with a lot of e-commerce and Amazon, you, you've got to get sales out. Yeah. You know, that you can get stuck in the design phase, especially with the packaging. I mean, it does help if you have access to a resource that can deliver high-quality packaging really, really quickly, that's press-ready and you don't need to know any of the technical stuff. It just comes out looking beautiful, right? And and, and a bit like you, we have a formula when we, when we do stuff like that. But I think what I'm seeing in today's market when it comes to packaging and inserts is, firstly, if you send a product in a really nice piece of packaging now it doesn't have to be extraordinary like it doesn't need to be an apple iphone box which costs a fortune to make but if it's designed nicely and it looks like it's a premium product if for some reason there is a failure with that product and you're the e-commerce store owner people are more likely to still say nice things about your product they're going to look at it as oh I, i bought one and it failed and they might send it back and buy another one exchange it something like that and this is the thing with e-commerce and amazon that particularly amazon you can send it back there's no questions asked you just send it back right Um, whereas if you get something that comes in a cheap looking box or a box that is made by the chinese manufacturer that is in chinglish and doesn't read well and maybe the photo doesn't match the product that's in the box and it fails the first thing they think is oh i've bought a I bought a piece of rubbish and what are they going to do? They're going to give you a bad piece of feedback and that's going to adversely affect your, your sales, right? The other thing too, with beautiful packaging inserts, people take the time to read it. They've just bought a new product. They want to know more about it. And it's a great opportunity, not just to sell something, but one strategy that we've been using is using the packaging insert to drive somebody to your own website, particularly if you're selling on Amazon, for a how-to video, how to set up the, oh, yeah. the product. You then have the opportunity to lead capture, tag them for additional Facebook marketing and Google marketing. So it's a great way to get people off the Amazon platform and become a raving fan of your brand and, and get that extra social traction when they share things on Facebook or, or when you start marketing to those audiences. So I'm with you, Greg. I think there's a huge part of we get a lot of people coming in for product photography because they've seen the work that we do and then we show them what can happen with their packaging and they go well that's definitely something i need to invest in but it's not always the first thing that e-commerce stores invest in Um, and it doesn't need to be in my humble opinion we do a much better job once somebody is making sales and they know what sells so they know what the benefits are so we can tie that into the branding and the packaging so but just planting the seed for for anybody going into e-commerce make sure it's one of the items on your to-do list it's all right if it stays in red or orange for a while like Greg's but you'll be you'll never regret doing it if you're building a brand because it will increase sales long term absolutely guaranteed yeah 
Spot on. Hey, Greg, I've got another question. Just in relation to your e-commerce store, so what are you using as a lead magnet? Is it just a coupon strategy or do you like send people to blog first from paid ads? Uh, yeah, what's the strategy around that? Yeah, so we're doing we're doing multiple things. So we've got one campaign running, which is spitting people into a Facebook group, like who are the exact avatar. Um, yeah, we've got other things going, which are driving like from Facebook and Instagram and Instagram story ads, yeah, video ads directly to to product sales. So that's kind of like the other things going. We don't really have a, a lead magnet as such for e-com. We're about to have a tripwire. So a tripwire is an irresistible low price offer. So we've got some uh, free t-shirt uh, stuff. Actually, Greg, you designed the you designed the t-shirt for me probably a year ago or something. I just hadn't. Yep. So free plus shipping. Yeah, free plus shipping. The hard thing is just making the maths work. So by the time you pay for traffic and then pay for a t-shirt and then yeah, we've got to have really like one or two upsells behind it to try and get to that yep. magical break even. Yeah, break even point because if you can get to break even or better, then you can scale it. But if you're if it's costing you money every time that you're driving the traffic, then it gets very, 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 very difficult. But do you look at it holistically? Like if Amazon's sort of doing really well, that's helping fund that sort of long-term goal yes. with the e-commerce. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Agreed. And because that's, that's a really good point you made, Greg, whereas like especially smaller companies, it's it's harder to do that holistic approach where, yeah, every every traffic or every media source, you've got to kind of look at it and say, is this one making us money or not? And if it's not, then the temptation there is to to kill it but the biggest companies in the world don't do that they look at their media yeah. as a bucket and then saying okay yes um this one may not be as profitable as that but it's referral traffic like it's it's another way that we're getting exposure because hollywood like they have this rule of three so every time that they bring out a movie a blockbuster movie they really want you to see it via three or more medias as quickly as possible whether it's the the billboard uh, at the side of the road billboard on the bus the youtube a video, a banner ad on online, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we're trying to be in as many places as, as possible. And one cheap, one really cheap traffic source that we've done recently that um, most people don't really know about or don't really know how to do. When I was in the US, actually, Greg, we were at the bar the same the same night. I caught up with uh, I caught up with Russell Brunson's um, traffic team that, that night and we swapped they wanted to know what was working from us and we shared some Google strategies with them and then they shared Instagram strategies with us. So there's this thing, yeah, called Instagram stories, which probably a lot of people have seen it. It's like Snapchat where you can like just hold down a button and you can record, a, you know, a, a video and then it's, it's gone the next day, that kind of thing. So that's what an Instagram story is, but you can create an Instagram story ad. It's like a tall one. So imagine if you're holding your iPhone and it's standing up, that's the, like the size of the video. It only goes for 15 seconds and you have like wording across the top or the bottom and you tell a story within that 15 seconds and then if they like it, you tell them, you encourage them to swipe up to see more and, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's probably really our cheapest traffic source at the moment. And it's only kind of cheap because not really many people know about it or know, yeah, or know how to do it. But that's, um, and I know this is off on a tangent from a design point of view, but it might help some people just to suss out, yeah, how to do Instagram story ads because it's working out amazing, amazing cheap traffic for us at the moment. Cool. And to me, it's all about branding. It's about, you know, like you said, having three different, you know, platforms to put the brand in front of their face. And I'm assuming you're doing remarketing as well. 
Yeah, we are. So we're doing all those things like from a cold traffic point of view, but then if someone consumes some of our video content, then they'll see more videos or they'll see ads for you know, for products or for one of those other different offers. Basically what we're trying to do on the remarketing again from that building the brand point of view or if they hit the website but don't buy. Um, so we're showing them ads both whether it's images or video ads on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, on banner ads as they navigate around the web, which is served up by Google and also by YouTube. So and YouTube and the Google ones are obviously set up within Google AdWords. So just by doing those two ad platforms so using facebook ads manager to get the instagram and the facebook stuff happening and then google adwords to get the adwords display as well as the youtube happening you can really like be hitting sort of 90 percent of the web for when people go around and they they really do get that you know oh wow these guys must be um, massive i'm seeing them everywhere but what they don't really know is that yeah you're you're remarketing them um i told a story recently about there's a guy who came to me and he was going to he was going to sign up for the the collective. He still ended up doing it, but he said uh, he was he was quite a religious man, and he said, you know, I keep seeing you everywhere. I think it's a gift from God and um, a message from God. <laughs> and I was telling him that you know it's not; it's a message from Greg, you know. And then I was remarketing him, and I said, I'm happy for you to, to join up, but I don't want you to join up, you know, based off the thing that God's telling you to come and work with me. <laughs> um, so. Well, it's nice to have somebody all almighty and all powerful on the show, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Look, bless you, my son. The stuff, bless you. <laughs> everything you've shared today has just been fantastic. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I know our listener will really appreciate what you've shared. Now, if anybody is one of these product people that you're talking about and you think that they might need to get in touch with you or, or you can help them in any way, shape or form, what's the best way for one of our listeners to get in touch with you? I would say just go to collective.com.au and just start consuming the free content on the blog. Honestly, just keep going through those videos. Educate yourself for free. And then if our message resonates with you, then have a chat and we'll see whether we can help out. We only work with businesses where we know it's a win-win. So we only go into things that we know we're going to succeed in. Otherwise, we don't. Yeah, we don't. So we're very honest up that you know that way because we just want to be cruisy and have fun and yeah win-wins all around so yeah collective.com.au is a great spot yeah that's awesome and i'd also say check out greg's own podcast which is salesforprofit.com and yeah he shares some incredible knowledge on there as well so greg thanks for joining us buddy we really appreciate it ah uh, you're very welcome i was going to say the latest guest is a bit of a star as well mr merrily's <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> that'll be out very soon Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, listener. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.